news, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 13 of the Luke Messias Show. Um, I am flying solo today, and we are not doing an interview. Uh, this is, I think, somewhat of a sad announcement, but I want to explain to you why. Uh, well, the only reason I'm flying solo is because Raz is at his like family ranch and didn't have any audio equipment. So I'm all by myself. But the reason that we are not having an interview is because... Um, there are a number of guests that I've already had conversations with. We're going to be having a number of in-depth conversations about policy and politics in Texas over the rest of the year, um, but not as many of those conversations are as time-sensitive to the issues that are going on in the legislature right now. As many of you know, um, you know we're about a month away from the end of the legislative session, and the reality is that there are a lot of things happening that are going to affect Texans' lives. And so instead of spending the time talking, having a conversation with somebody in the movement, uh, conservative policy, thinker, maker, whatever, um, wanted to sit down and just have a quick update. Um, I had the opportunity to testify um, on HJR3 legislation that is now being proposed to increase the sales tax. I talked a little bit about this in uh, one podcast episode, but um, I want to really dive in a little deeper because things have come to light and I think we can really address what we have on the table. So um, don't want to repeat myself. If you did not listen to last week's podcast episode, you should go back and listen to it because we really talk about what has gotten us to this point. The reality is um, that the legislature forgot to prioritize property tax relief within its budget. It has billions of dollars more that it could give towards property tax relief, but it's not sure it wants to appropriate that money. Uh, it would rather, and when I say it, I, I mean, just mean the legislature as a whole, Democrats, Republicans, the leading appropriators would rather spend that money on um, more government programs than back into the pocketbooks um, of property taxpayers here in Texas. So they have now proposed a one cent increase in the state sales tax. So let's um, get to the bottom of what we have. HJR3, um, it is a one penny increase in the sales tax, okay? So um, if you pay eight and a quarter sales tax when you purchase things in Texas, if this were to pass, you would pay nine and a quarter um, on, uh, on, on sales tax for, for items in Texas. Uh, this would be a constitutional amendment. It would actually go to the voters this upcoming November, I believe, to get voted on. Um, and the voters are not going to vote in favor of it. So anybody who is interested in actively pushing this is setting themselves up for failure because Republicans and Democrats and independents alike will all vote against a tax increase. And uh, then Republicans' plan to provide meaningful property tax relief will have failed at the hands of the voters. And so I think the legislators need to give them um, a better option. So let's talk about why it's a tax increase. And what we're going to do is I'm going to overview a couple things. We're going to do this, and then I'm going to give you an update on uh, a pro-life legislation. I'm also going to give you an update on a, C a crazy CPS case that you need to know is happening in the North Texas area. Um, and then we're going to go to my testimony um, before the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, I testified for about four to five minutes, and then Representative Matt Shaheen from the Plano area uh, kind of did disagreed with some of the things I said. Uh, I think he has a perspective that this policy is indeed um, tax relief. And so uh, I'll explain my position. You can hear what uh, the testimony says, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up here and, and let y'all um, get to the rest of your week. So quickly, 
What we now have is a clear tax increase. HGR3 um, is an 80% dedication to property tax relief and a 20% dedication to additional education funding. What I mean by that is all of the revenue, and just for simple math, it's going to be about $10 billion every two years. So $5 billion a year. They want to dedicate $4 billion a year of that towards buying down people's property taxes, and then $1 billion a year to permanent uh, increases in public education funding. Now, remember, with House Bill 3, um, we just talked about how the state wrote a $9 billion check to public schools. So um, it's worth noting uh, that we have given a significant amount of money, and that is on top of the over a billion dollars that the legislature would like to give to retired teachers to try to keep their pension fund solvent. And so we have continued to be strong supporters of public education in the state, Republicans and Democrats alike. Um, I, I do want to explain that the $9 billion that we passed in House Bill 3, $2.7 billion of it is tax relief. So $2.7 billion of it is a compression of your taxes. It's a one-time buy-down where we write school districts a check and they therefore do not tax you that amount. Okay, um, I'm trying to, to speak as simply as possible. and I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers out um, to you. Here's the biggest thing I want each and every one of you to understand about the legislature. Um, right now, they are not looking into ways of taking less of your money. They are having a discussion about what the best way would be to take your money and how to guarantee that they get just a little bit more of it in the future. So here's what I mean by that. Let's say hypothetically, the average Texas family pays $1,000 in taxes to Texas-related governments, and I mean the cities, the counties, the school districts, your state, your sales tax. All of those things, let's say, which by the way, this number is not accurate at all, so if you want to fact check me, I'm wrong. But for the sake of hypothetical situations, let's say it's $1,000 per family. The question you have to ask yourself, and the question that the Ways and Means Committee and the senators uh, on, the, on the Senate side and every single Republican and Democrat state representative need to be asking themselves right now is um, the plans that we have laid before us is the intention of these plans to figure out how to receive more than $1,000 per Texas family next biennium and the biennium after? Or is the plan to conceive um, a situation in which we only are taking $999. So what do I mean by that? I mean, how much are we taxing Texans? And it gets to even a more fundamental question. Are Texans taxed too much or are Texans not taxed enough? So I would present to you the reality that HJR3, if it dedicates any money towards more government, has an intention of taking more, of increasing the average amount of taxes that Texans pay. Now, there is an argument in favor of a tax, uh, of a sales tax system over a property tax system, and that is based on the fact that it is a broader base tax, right? Every single person pays a sales tax. It's also a tax that you as an individual can control, right? So you as an individual have the right to decide how many taxes you want to pay to the government in the event that it's a sales tax compared to a property tax, which you are stuck right in the check for. And the next year when they say your taxes are going up 10%, 
you don't have a choice. If you decide not to write that check to the government, they will take your home. That is not a just tax system. But Republicans in the legislature need to understand that while trying to fix this system, they should not also be looking to try to get their hands on more dollars of individual Texans. This came out in the Ways and Means Hearing. I wish that y'all would have time to go back and, and listen to Representative Huberty's layout, the questions that got asked for him. I will give a shout out to Representative John Ray, who asked the best questions. He's the one who really got at the heart of the reality that if we don't put a serious cap on what schools uh, can increase regarding their ta property tax base, then any amount of relief we give will be eaten up, and then we'll just be stuck with a higher sales tax and property taxes that are back up to where they were before. So John Ray had some great questions, but one of the things that came um, came out clearly was the fact that we do not have a plan to continually fund public education. And even with our House Bill 3 that we passed and other things, uh, Representative Huberty believes and knows that we need to find um, a continual funding source and that we are not guaranteed to have the money that we have today. And so if he could increase this tax and use $2 billion every budget cycle to increase the amount of money going to public schools, uh, he would like that. And so um, the goal in this is, can we provide proper tax relief and can we get a little bit more money from Texans? Um, those two should not be both sought at the same time. Tax relief means we are decreasing the amount of money that we're taking from you. And increased spending and increased taxation means we are getting more money from you to fund the government. Those things do not act synonymously. And it's important for each and every one of you to understand that I believe that HJR3, as it has been presented before the Republican House Ways and Means Committee by a Republican member of the legislature, increases your overall taxes. Two other quick things, and then I'm going to let you hear the um, commentary that I made before the committee and the questions that Representative Shaheen asked. First of all, uh, the Preborn Non-Discrimination Act had a hearing in the State Affairs Committee um, last week. You're hearing this on Monday. I'm recording it on Friday. The hearing was Wednesday, and it went till about 2.30 in the morning. Um, some phenomenal testimony from so many people. This is a fundamental question we have to ask ourselves. Most Texans don't know that we do have third trimester abortions that are legal in Texas. Um, that's a bit embarrassing, not only as a state, but it should be embarrassing to anybody who respects human life um, and just to the decency that Texans have had and the respect that we've had for unborn children. So the reality is that third trimester abortions are legal if the child is, is suspected to be um, very, very sick. We call this a severe fetal abnormality. Um, and so we had the privilege Wednesday night of hearing from many families in Texas whose children were diagnosed with severe fetal abnormalities as defined in Texas law and chose life. Families who decided not to rip their children limb from limb and end their life forcibly and violently in the womb, but instead chose to bring this child um, to the world, some with very sad stories of these children living for less than 24 hours outside the womb, um, some with children who um, are, are still uh, here. Um, the reality is that it is not for the government and it is not for any of us as adults to decide what children have a right to live and what children don't. 
all human life is to be respected. That hearing happened Wednesday night and went till 2.30 in the morning. It was a phenomenal hearing. Um, Texas Right to Life uh, has this piece of legislation as their top priority when it comes to protecting the unborn. And um, now we have a couple weeks to see if the State Affairs Committee and the Texas House of Representatives will actually advance this legislation. Last but not least, and then we'll go to my hearing commentary, um, the Family Rights Advocacy, which is a Facebook group that if you're not a member of, I'd, I'd recommend you just getting on Facebook and maybe joining. They advocate for a lot of things. Kristen McIntyre uh, runs that organization. But one of the things she has ended up specializing in is um, protecting parents against um, bogus complaints made against them and investigations done by Child Protective Services. Um, I want to make it clear that Child Protective Services does do a lot of very valuable work. We do have child abuse that happens in our state, and it's important to have a government agency there um, to step in and protect those children. But there are still bogus uh, reports made all the time, and parental rights is something to keep in mind and to keep protected. But this gets really scary. This is a combination of parental rights and the culture war that is ravaging our state and nation. We have a family. Uh, this family will remain remain anonymous. We're not even going to mention the city that this investigation is taking place for just fear that this family could potentially be targeted. But we have, have a family in North Texas uh, who was investigated for not allowing um, their 15-year-old son to uh, transition to be a woman. Um, they have a 15-year-old son who is confused and um, wanted to uh, seek uh, gender transitioning treatment in some form, and uh, his parents uh, are not supporting that. And um, and there has been a complaint filed. Now, again, it's not always public who files the complaint. It takes a long time to get to the bottom of these things. I cannot tell you many of the details, some of which uh, I want to keep confidential, but others of which I just don't know and nobody knows and will know for quite some time. But here's the scary thing. It's scary to think that we have a government agency in Texas that is walking in and telling a mother and a father uh, that they must be investigated by the government because they do not support um, or have or are encouraging their son to turn himself into a woman, um, which which many of us would agree is an impossible um, attempt. And so the reality is that the CPS uh, did it should worry some people because some of the things that they provided the parents were resources on um, just different treatment out there and things that would support their son's confusion. And uh, that's even more scary because it's the government uh, in this situation, you know, taking a very anti-science, anti-human bio biology uh, stance in the name of the sexual revolution. And it's something that we as Texans must push back against. So those are uh, three quick things going on. The Republicans have a plan to take more of your money. The Preborn Non-Discrimination Act has had a hearing and will hopefully continue to advance. And we have serious parental rights issues going on in Texas and the family rights advocacy is uh, fighting on the front lines of some of those battles and definitely recommend you looking them up. I'll probably try to have Krista on our show at some point just to talk about some of the uh, war stories that she's had on the front lines of parental rights issues. Uh, with that, I'm going to send you uh, to a word from our sponsor and then I'm going to send you to my hearing and then uh, I'll come back to wrap this up. Thank you. 
Guys, today's episode is sponsored by Patriot Academy. You've heard me talk about them because they've sponsored a number of our podcasts before, but patriotacademy.com is where you need to go to find out more information. Um, I have very good friends that really didn't know what they were going to do with their life, weren't sure what their purpose was, didn't have many things motivating them in their late teens and early 20s, and spent a week at Patriot Academy and were transformed and still to this day are actively involved in the political process, many of which are professional political operatives. Some are policy uh, makers, policy writers, uh, staff for elected legislators working for political nonprofits on the front line of the culture wars. These are some amazing people. So what is Patriot Academy? Patriot Academy, um, they hold leadership uh, intensive institutes around the nation. They hold them in Idaho, Arizona, Delaware, Florida, and of course, the largest one is in Texas because everything is bigger in Texas. Um, And so uh, if this is something, if you know somebody who's 16, 17, 18, up to 25, really 16 to 25, you need to go to patriotacademy.com. You need to get them to apply to either one of the states um, that are not in Texas or, of course, the, the Texas one, but they will come in and be a legislator for several days. They will debate legislation on the floor of the Texas House of Representatives, sit in a chair that is often sat in by an actual state representative. They will be in committee hearings where actual committee hearings take place, um, and they will uh, lay out their own bills that will change laws within the state. They will debate their peers on issues and policy. They'll also hear from free market economists. They'll hear from motivational speakers. They'll hear, they'll get a uh, public speaking workshops. They'll get um, just some amazing leadership training. So either they are learning from a hands-on way uh, how to impact policy, or they're getting talked to by people like David Barton and Rick Green and others that just are phenomenal educators and leaders that can take this next generation, disciple them, and prepare them to engage in the battle that we have raging on in our culture. So if you know anybody from 16 to 25, go to patriotacademy.com, get them to fill out an application, encourage them to go. I can't tell you how many students uh, I've I've discipled uh, and worked with and led a lot of students that are in this program. And I can't tell you how many students every single year show up and they say, you know, my grandpa told me to do this and I'm here, or my uncle told me I need to do this, or my mom and dad sent me. And by the end of the week, their lives are transformed and they are um, asking themselves what can I do to try to make a difference? So uh, this is a real life-changing experience, and I encourage all of you to check them out, patriotacademy.com. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Chairman Burroughs, Luke Macias. I'm here uh, on behalf of myself as a sales tax and a property tax payer. I'm testifying on HJR3. And I, li- I, just, I like how you registered as both a sales and property tax payer. We're all property tax payers. So um, I wanted to go through a couple things with you, uh, members, as you're considering both Uh, increasing taxes to get more revenue for the government and your current budget that you have before you. Um, The positive parts about HCR3 is that it kind of acknowledges the fact that the legislature, um, uh, when it came into the session, uh, said we were going to focus on school finance reform and property tax reform and relief. And the current budget that we have uh, provided to each and every one of you does one of them and not the other. And so we have a problem in that we haven't really planned on both funding the property tax reform that's being discussed when it comes to capping schools at 2.5% and providing meaningful property tax relief in the budget. at the start of the session, Chairman Zerwas was on a podcast with Evan Smith, and uh, he made a statement to Evan, which I think is really good for each and every one of you to hear. He said, Evan, we have more money than I've ever seen 
in my time as an appropriator since 2007. And I want you to think about that. I mean, the reality is he's saying, we have more money than we've ever had, and yet property tax relief has not been prioritized. You would think that within the existing budget, there would be more money for meaningful property tax relief. In fact, yesterday, Chris Turner came before you with a bill that was going to spend even more money on top of the existing dollars that you've planned on spending. And he said, well, I want to spend potentially up to $600 million more dollars. And by the way, this isn't on public education like House Bill 3. This is on another part of education. And uh, Matt Schaefer got up in front of you and said, hey, this might not be the best idea because we've got property tax relief and other things that we need to spend money on. And Chairman Zerwas again got up and said, no, guys, we have plenty of money. We'll be able to spend an additional $600 million on top of our existing budget on more government spending. So there is more money within your existing budget for property tax relief. And then I want to get to HCR 3 very quickly. Um, just to let you know, your, your current budget makes an assumption that 6.2% of property taxes will, property taxes will increase by 6.2% next year and then 4.1% the year after that. So we have to not only find money within the existing budget to fund that cap, we then have the HCR3 problem. Uh, Chairman Burroughs, you made a comment about the franchise tax. Um, I, I do think it's worth noting that the problem with the franchise tax wasn't just that it didn't bring in enough money, but that, to Representative Ray's point, the appraisals and the ever-rising increase in local property taxes would, would take them up. Well, right? I didn't say that was the problem. The problem is we predicted it was going to Correct. do one thing because it was a new tax with no tax with no track record. We grossly underestimated the revenues that it would provide, and historically speaking, we actually understand what the sales tax is likely to generate. Yep. But, but if it had generated more money, meaning we had taken even more taxes from people, all that would have meant is that it would have taken longer for those local appraisals to catch up and people's property taxes to eventually still continue to rise while we were raising the franchise tax and taking even more money. Um, whether or not HGR3 is a tax increase or a tax swap, I think, is defined by whether or not we are taking more taxes from the people of Texas after HJR3 passes. At the end of the day, most people decide whether we have a revenue problem or a spending problem when it comes to government in general. Um, if HJR3 is going to ensure that we have more revenue for government as a whole, then I think we would all agree that that is inherently a tax increase. If HJR3 with a cap in local property taxes would be a swap, it still wouldn't be property tax relief, though we might be deciding where we take the money from. Right? This is really a discussion about where you're getting tax dollars from. Because if you capped property taxes at 2.5% and 3.5%, people's property taxes are still going up. If you raise the sales tax and spend 100% of it on property tax relief, we're not lowering any taxes. We're just deciding, hey, we need tax revenue. We want to differentiate who we take it from. And yes, some property taxpayers will experience relief. Some people who aren't paying property taxes will experience an increase. There will be some out-of-state people that pay as a result of it. But if we dedicate more of this money to more government, then at the end of the day, it seems like we're still saying government currently does not have enough money, and we need to provide more. And by so, government, we're talking about schools. I'm talking about, case. yeah, so I'm talking about tax, you know, if you're a taxpayer, you, you write a check to the federal government. We just all did that. You write a check to the state government. You write a check to your local government. You pay your sales tax. So, I mean, really, I'm just talking about government as a whole. I'm saying the body here has to decide whether government currently doesn't have enough money as a whole. 
and whether and and really we we haven't decided that we we've already said we need property taxes to go up a little bit and then maybe we should collect taxes through a sales tax as opposed to a property tax but more of that sales tax being dedicated to more government is most certainly a tax increase at that point thank you members any questions yes machine hi thanks for being here mr Presented. So i want to understand um what you're saying so in other words Let's take, for example, the $9 billion increase in education. Mm -hmm. So do you recognize that two-thirds of that is relief, that $3 billion goes to reduce Robin Hood and close to $3 billion goes to property tax relief? Absolutely. So that's yeah. not really government spending either. It's, it's actually that, that particular portion. Okay. Yes. So now let's talk about the tax swap. I think you're not taking into serious consideration the number of people that visit the state of Texas mm -hmm. that now will be paying for our schools versus property owners. So I think you're discounting. When you make broad statements about mm -hmm. no relief, this is providing significant relief. For, for a property taxpayer, absolutely, and for, for some renters. And across the board. If 100% if of it was. At an 80-20 swap, I mean, 20% of it is dedicated to more government yeah, you, spending year uh, over year. Let's, let's review the numbers again. Yes, sir. $9 billion. Yes, sir. Two-thirds of that's relief. HB3 or HJR3? The $9, the $9 billion increased education. Two-thirds of that's relief. That is correct. Okay. So we're not going to discount that, right? It's Yeah, it's it's taxes that we've collected that we're then giving back. And it's giving in the form of Robin Hood? Yes. And property tax relief. Those $2.7 is being okay, returned so, to the taxpayer. Okay. So now let's talk about the swap. Yes, sir. So people's property tax. So, for example, a home in my district, let's say it's yes. $350,000, that person is going to receive a $900 break in their property taxes. Mm -hmm. Some of that's going to be funded by people vacationing in Texas, people doing business in Texas, all those types of things. That's real relief. So I challenge your comments about this not being relief. It's significant relief. So I think Representative Noble actually asked Chairman Huberty what percentage of the sales tax increase is going to be coming from out-of-state people or something to, to that effect, right? I think that probably would answer your question, right? Because let's say hypothetically you increase taxes $10 billion with a one penny increase, and you're going to say uh, two billion of that is going to be spent on more government. I think the question would be, do we anticipate more than 20% of the sales tax revenue coming from out-of-state people? And if we don't, then I think you would probably have to agree that, yeah, we're taxing Texans more as a whole. We are collecting it from how, different how people. We, how are we ta taxing them more? Okay, so as it stands right now, they're not going to pay the sales tax. And so if we were to cap property their taxes, property taxes are high. Their, their property taxes are high, but right. those are already, right? So right. If, we, if we raise the sales tax a penny, right. and then let's say $8 billion of that goes to paying down what your taxes are, how your taxes are increasing, right? Because your taxes are already increasing 25 or 35 hopefully, right. um, if we start budgeting for that. Then it, we're still taking more money from Texans, right? So we're taking the Texan, Texas people as a whole, and if the sales tax increase... We, we spend $8.4 billion of the 10 is collected from Texans, then we're absolutely increasing their taxes. I mean, we're... That, that is totally inaccurate. Okay, but, but as I'm, a whole... And I'm not asking... That's okay. I'm not a question. I'm challenging I understand. Your, your commentary. That is inaccurate. The $9, the $9 billion, two-thirds of that's going to relief. In HP 3 So people are Correct. not getting an increase That in is taxes. relief. Yes, sir. When you swap taxes... And you're now taxing all these individuals that are visiting the state of Texas. That's not an increase. If overall, if this more is than 20% of it comes from out of state people, 
Yes. So it's a decrease. You cannot stand before here and say we're increasing taxes. That if, is inaccurate. If more than 20... Don't, don't give me if. I'm giving you numbers. Okay, so... It's not an increase in taxes. Okay, if, if the tax increase... If more than tw- if if more than twenty percent of the tax increase comes from out of state people, okay, and you dedicate twenty percent, then essentially you would say that the portions that we're getting from out of state individuals is then getting used for more government, and the portion of the collection that's coming from Texans as a whole you're, is you're, getting used to provide you're tax relief. This big government mantra. No, with, I'm not. Uh, I'm talking about and the I'm math of you, what the tax the relief numbers, is. When you run the numbers that two-thirds of the $9 billion is for relief, and then you're doing a swap, and you're taxing people that aren't paying taxes I'm sorry. Taxes I'm not sure today. if we're talking about House Bill 3 or Excuse HJR me, sir. 3. When you're taxing people that are visiting our state today that aren't paying for education that now will start paying for education, yes, it is not a tax increase. I, I, like I said, I think Representative Noble asked Chairman Huberty what percentage, and I don't know that he knew that, so I don't know if we know you're, you're trying to go down this is. path of what percentage is not paying tax today. I, I'm commenting on your inaccurate statement that this is a tax increase. It's not. And I, not only is it not, it's actually substantial relief. I think you need to go back and look at the number and truly understand what the bill does. Okay, I don't so, think you understand it. So it is an 80... Put pause real quick. Yes, sir. As much as... I, I'd love to let this continue. <laughs> He's doing a great job. We, are, we have two minutes till we have to get to yeah. the floor, so... Um, I'm probably going to have to adjourn. Do you, members, any other questions for Mr. Macias? So as you can hear, uh, there's a little bit of disagreement. You know, whenever you look back on a conversation uh, that you have, you can always uh, take away a few things from it, right? And so I'm sure for Representative Shaheen and definitely for myself, hindsight's always 2020. Um, I I wish I could have more succinctly gotten to maybe his um, perspective and dis- where the disagreement was. One thing I'll explain to everybody just to give Representative Shaheen um, the benefit of the doubt is that um, if you live in his district, um, I am pretty confident that you are getting a net tax decrease if HJR 3 and House Bill 3 all become law. The reality is that um, his area in Plano is a very high um, Robin Hood contributing district, and the changes that we are making will significantly decrease the tax burden on them. Now, that does not mean that HJR 3 is not a net tax increase, meaning, going back to our example, if every Texas family on average is giving $1,000 to state government, you know, holistically, this plan, I think if you break it down, is trying to come up with a way to get more than $1,000 average. Will it be a fairer distribution of that tax liability? Probably. But it will be an increase in taxes all the same. This is why I don't think that Democrats will support this, because the reality is we are increasing the tax burden on um, their districts more so, because Democrat districts will... Uh, own less property than some of the more Republican districts. Um, but that being said, many Republican legislators as well uh, will know that this is a net tax increase. It's why the Freedom Caucus has come out, and I'm really proud of their statement. They made it very clear that uh, a tax increase on the sales side is off the table unless we pass a cap on schools at 2.5%, which we have still yet to do. And then after that is done, they said this you would have to have a one-to-one swap. You would have to say 100% of any sales tax increase is all given back to property taxpayers, and that would 
actually brought in our tax um, base. Some of that would be out of state, not 20%. I can guarantee you that. And then, um, and then people's property taxes would go down and that would be really a one for one swap. And that's what a tax swap is. So guys, um, please keep watching this. Please reach out to your legislator and let them know that if Republicans raise taxes, um, voters will vote this down uh, in November. I'll tell you the most disheartening thing about this whole situation is I'm pretty confident that Texans are going to vote this down no matter what happens, no matter whose opinion is what on this issue. And when Republicans and Democrats and independents reject this plan, um, when it's put before them in a constitutional election, uh, it will be even more embarrassing to Republicans who pushed this tax increase. So um, with that being said, thank you so much for following the show, guys. Please share it with people you know. Let them know that it's important for them to be engaged because even a Republican-led legislature can still try to raise their taxes sometimes. Um, Go to LukeMacias.com. We send an email out every week just making sure you have um, the latest update and the latest podcast and any other news that we know is going on. So please go there, sign up, follow me on Twitter, go to Facebook, Luke Macias, follow the page. We'll be updating on all social media platforms as well. So thank you so much for staying engaged in what's going on. Thank you for caring enough to listen at least this long for those of you who did. Um, God bless you. And God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit LukeMessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Messias Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.